Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. McMaster University is returning to its roots. The Premier taking more flack over his strong mayor's plan. The CFL's greatest rivalry on repeat. Go Hamilton Go! as the Canusa Games kick off. And Dave and Alicia join me on the GMH Roundtable. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. We are in Hamilton and we're not going anywhere, but it really makes sense for us to have a location in Toronto where people can come and meet. That is the voice of McMaster's Dean of Engineering, Heather Sheardown, and uh, talking about returning to the roots, so to speak, for McMaster University. It's announced plans to open a new hub in Toronto. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. This new facility is going to be located across the street from Mac's original home on Bloor Street West. How cool is that? Khaled Hassanin is the dean of the DeGroote School of Business from McMaster University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Khaled, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well and uh, very happy to be with you this morning. So why is McMaster returning to Toronto? Well, uh, Hamilton is going to always be the home for McMaster University and um, Kind of returning to Toronto is a is an opportunity that came up where we can uh, connect uh, more uh, with the thousands of alumni that we have employed in the city. Uh, Toronto is a major economic hub. We already have very strong collaborations going on with uh, multiple partners, industry, business in the business sector. And of course, with our alumni, as well as with post-secondary institutions that are already in the city. So this will be an opportunity to connect with them also at uh, perhaps a deeper level, uh, provides more opportunities for uh, collaboration for us. So it's uh, threefold, um, I think. One is this connection with partners uh, and setting up for meetings and events. The second one is to offer uh, limited programming, in, for example, in our executive education programs. Uh, and finally, uh, it's an information center for prospective, uh, prospective students who might be interested to learn more about our programs in our different campuses. Do you also think that a part of this is boosting McMaster's image? Is that a part of the equation here? Well, uh, McMaster is already a world-renowned university and consistently within the top in Canada and certainly in the top 100 in the world. Uh, so uh, it's a well-known name, but uh, having us in downtown Toronto is going to provide us with an opportunity to maybe connect uh, in an easier way with our uh, potential students. And as I was mentioning, with partners and with uh, some of our programming could be offered there where uh, we want, for example, guest uh, speakers to come from some of the major businesses in Toronto to, to interact with our students. This would be a perfect facility to do so, uh, as opposed to bringing them, for example, to the Degree School of Business campus in Burlington, which is not that far, but it could be uh, an obstacle for some, uh, for some in terms of making the trek to Burlington or Hampton campus. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton is Khaled Hassanin, the Dean of the DeGroot School of Business at McMaster University, as we chat about Mac's expansion into Toronto, or I guess a re-entry into Toronto with a new learning hub. So what exactly is it going to be used for? You mentioned a few things in terms of attracting potential students, having guest speakers or scholars. What is the, 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 the driving force behind this learning space? 
Well, it's going to be uh, an interactive and collaborative learning space. Uh, it will consist of a space for having uh, holding receptions for events, for example. There are some office space for the different faculties that are involved, as well as a classroom that is going to like be a flexible classroom. We can reconfigure it in different ways. Uh, for example, we can use it in some of our uh, executive education programs, uh, as well as our executive MBA program, for instance, which we offer an executive MBA in digital transformation that has been very successful. Uh, and we primarily offer it in uh, the, the, the Burlington campus. Uh, we can ho host some of our programming for that program in, in downtown Toronto, for example, where most of our students come from. In terms of attracting new students to McMaster, is there a, a, a target number that this learning hub may be able to attract? Well, I, I think where it, this will help is the, the uh, students who are walking by the center and say, oh, McMaster is here. Uh, they can easily just walk in, uh, pick some information, interact with our uh, recruiting staff, learn more about our programming in, in a very convenient way. So I think that's primarily where it would be. But as you know, that most of the information about programs now are delivered online and uh, students do come, potential students come to our campuses to learn more about the exact, the actual facilities we have. But I think this would, would, would be primarily for uh, the people walking by and wanting to learn more about the, the, the university and the programming it has to offer. McMaster University announcing plans to open a new hub in Toronto this coming fall. We are in discussion with Khaled Hassanin, the Dean of the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. Are there other expansion plans on the horizon, either expanding this facility, looking at other locations in Toronto, or even other locations in other communities? Uh, well, th th there isn't plans that I'm aware of uh, right now. And this facility is, is limited in terms of the space it, 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 it has. So it's, like I said, it's a one medium-sized classroom. Uh, but, you know, we never know what comes uh, out in the future. We already have medical. Uh, the medical school has campuses in both Niagara and uh, the kitchen Waterloo uh, communities. And the School of Business has uh, a campus in Burlington, Ontario, uh, so this is a new addition, and we don't know what the future will hold. Sounds very exciting, and I'm sure will uh, boost the perception of Mac, get more students into classrooms, and uh, enlighten them in the higher learning that Mac offers. Um, Khaled, uh, thank you very much for the time today. Enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend as well. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. Have a great weekend. You too. That is Khaled Hassanin, the Dean of the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. And Mac is in other communities, as we know, of course, here in Hamilton. They have the DeGroote School of Business in Burlington. Uh, Khaled mentioned Niagara. They're also in Kitchener-Waterloo and now in Toronto. This is this is going to be an 8,000-square-foot uh, event center, a learning space, if you will, that's going to invite scholars and students and guest speakers and whatnot to uh, share some knowledge. Mac, and if you tuned into yesterday's program, it was our Forge FC ticket contest question yesterday, was founded in Toronto in 1887, moved to Hamilton in 1930. And so returning to its roots for the first time since 1930. Kind of cool for those involved with this decision. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The premier of our province decides he's going to uh, extend 
the strong mayor uh, situation to all of the uh, municipalities in our province. What I what I can guarantee you, again, if I'm given the honor to serve as mayor of our city, uh, that I will always continue to collaborate. That is Hamilton Mayoral hopeful Andrea Horvath recently talking about Premier Doug Ford's proposed strong mayor system and how it might be rolled out. That plan would give greater powers to mayors in the city of Toronto and Ottawa and maybe to others in the years to come. There is, though, more criticism being heaved against the Premier over his plan to do so. Jay Goldberg is our next guest. He's the Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Jay, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Where do you stand on this and how, more importantly, how will it impact Ontario taxpayers? Well, uh, I think it's a big danger for Ontario taxpayers, and that's because uh, Doug Ford hasn't clarified exactly what powers he's planning to give. But there is some speculation that mayors would have some degree of unilateral spending and taxation power, uh, as well as he's definitely confirmed some veto power over what city council passes. So the real problem is if you're creating a strong mayor system where the mayor can essentially make decisions on their own, the, the big problem is, what if you disagree with the mayor's philosophy? So, you know, you might be thrilled if the mayor that's in office is pursuing policies that you like, but as soon as it changes and you have a mayor with all this power and unilateral power uh, who you j- happen not to agree with, that's a big danger. And so what we're saying is uh, that's way too much power to put in the hands of a mayor. We don't want one individual being able to tax and spend. Uh, and frankly, putting so much power in one hand, it's very dangerous, particularly because after mayors are elected, they can change. You know, they can promise something during the election. They can act differently for four years. And if there's no major check from council, that's a huge concern. The veto part of this to me is the most dangerous because we as a community elect a number of councillors and, of course, the mayor. But if one person at the table has that hammer to say, no, we're doing it my way, I mean, it kind of nullifies the rest of the voices that we've elected. That's exactly right. And from a taxpayer perspective, if councillors get together and come up with a fiscally responsible budget that doesn't really raise property taxes very much, that, you know, that's responsible, and then you have a mayor who just vetoes it because they want more spending and more taxes, that's a big concern. And, of course, we have the other way. We had, um, you know, in Toronto, many of you remember the David Miller era, where he convinced council to raise property taxes by 10% one year. Uh, and so you can only imagine if he had all this power to tax and spend and veto, the taxes could have gone up 15% or 20%. There's no telling what would happen. And so this is the key problem. And as you said, uh, voters elect, uh, in the case of Hamilton, you know, scores of different uh, councillors to sit at the table to represent different regions of a city and to make sure that one person doesn't have too much power to unilaterally impose what they want. And so that's the big concern. Uh, you, you know, Toronto has uh, decreased the size of city council. Doug Ford did that. He said he did it to make decisions faster, streamline decisions. So there's fewer people at the table. But if you were to pursue this proposal, there may just be one real person at the table. And when you get that narrow, that's very concerning. We spoke to uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, who's not seeking re-election this fall, about this system. And he said he's for it, although he'd like to see some checks and balances, including, you know, a stipulation. and, And these are my words, not his, but some sort of 
um, uh, stipulation that if, you know, two thirds of council voted against the mayor, the mayor could not, you know, veto that kind of uh, that kind of voice from our councillors. Is that something that has to be in place? Well, there definitely needs to be some kind of override, but even getting two-thirds of council on board could be difficult. You could have a majority of council disagreeing with the mayor, but not two-thirds, and they wouldn't have enough power to override that veto. I mean, if you look in the United States, for example, you need two-thirds support in Congress to override presidential vetoes, and you almost never see it. So that's the danger uh, you know, you really wouldn't expect in Hamilton. Uh, But frankly, any mayor who's commenting on this wishes they have all this extra power because then they could pursue policies that council's stopping them from. And so respectfully to the mayor of Hamilton and mayors elsewhere, uh, you're going to find very few mayors who are against this proposal because they like the idea of additional power. But when you talk to councillors about it and when you talk to citizens about it, that's a very different story. We only have about a minute. My guess is, you know, if this goes through as is, that Toronto and Ottawa will be under this system at least for a few budget cycles to see how it works, what the impact is, before other communities are allowed to follow suit. So Doug Ford has said it would be at least a year. So you're right, we would see what happens in Toronto and Ottawa. But the Toronto budget is billions and billions of dollars. The city of Toronto's budget is actually larger than the province of Prince Edward Island's budget. Uh, And so that's a lot of power to put in the hands of Mayor Tory. You know, you may agree with him, you may disagree with him, but that's a lot of power. And Tory has also changed his stances since he was elected. When he first ran, he said he wouldn't increase property taxes beyond the rate of inflation. He's now doing that. So again, when you elect somebody to office and you give that one person a lot of power, they can change their politics within their term in office. And so that's another danger. We don't have a way to get rid of a mayor uh, if they go off the rails and have all this this power, as Toronto saw uh, during the Rob Ford era. Some people wanted to get him out, but there was really no no feasible way to do so. Uh, And that could happen with any mayor. So that's the issue when you put so much power in the hands of one person uh, that can, you know, change their mind over the course of four years. And it essentially could be a quasi-dictator. We'll be following it closely over the next little while. Jay, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. That's Jay Goldberg, Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Tiger catch now on the Montreal 40. Dane Evans, quick throw. It's complete to Stephen Dunbar Jr. Cuts to the middle, back to the right. He's to the 20, the 15, the 10. Touchdown, <laughs> Tiger Cats! Stephen Dunbar does it again! R.J. Braun had the call on the Ticats Audio Network and 900 CHML. Ticats Argos tomorrow night right here on 900 CHML, and it should be, as it usually is, a barn burner. Our pregame show will begin at 6. Half hour after the game ends, join us for the fifth quarter, powered by Eastgate Ford, as we munch on the latest edition of what I think is the CFL's hands-down most intense rivalry. But what makes it that way? Well, let's chat with an individual who was a part of that rivalry for many seasons. That's Peter Dykowski, former all-star offensive lineman with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who joins us now. Peter, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. We should also mention that at least for a few hours, you were a Toronto Argonaut, but you never got to play. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know why you heard that. That's not, <laughs> you, know, that you can't believe everything you read on the internet. We Wikipedia is not 100% accurate. Exactly. It's fraught with errors. What words come to mind, Peter, when you think about Tiger Cats versus Argonauts? Hatred. (laughs) Bloodlust. 
intensity. This is a great rivalry. I, I go all the way back to my early years with the Cats at Old Iverwind Stadium. Labor Day in Old Iverwind, there was an edge to that, and there were fights up in the stands. There, there was as much blood in the stands as on the field. There is a there is a, a passion there. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to this game tomorrow. What's the best part of this rivalry? It means something. It it means it means a lot. And that's that's a great and the players feel it. You know, pro football, you think they're mercenaries paid going from city to city, but this rivalry actually gets guys fired up. And you, you just need to look at the the history, the recent history even of the Ticats Argos. I mean, we've had some very serious discipline issues coming out uh, of these games and you know that comes from the passion the intensity running so high now there's a few issues that we of course don't want more of and i think we're going to see better behavior but it just goes to show you that this game's on another level there have been stories over the years of fans ticats fans pleading with ticats players that if anything else uh, you know if you, if you don't win any other games as long as you beat toronto we'll be fine is that true do you have an experience about that well, that was uh, going back again to those old days. My my first or second season, 07 or 08, I'm trying to remember which one. We were 3 and 15, but we won the Labor Day Classic, and that made it all better. And I heard about it even at you know, the grocery store the next day. Uh, everyone was, you know, took that one, and that, that made the season worthwhile. So it... It, it means it means a lot. There's that rivalry between Hamilton and Toronto, and maybe people up in Toronto uh, don't know just quite how strongly we feel about it down here in Hamilton, but the guys on the teams sure know it. And so we've got this stretch coming up, four games coming up between now and the, the Labor Day Classic. But these are going to decide the East, too. So there's a lot on the line. There's money on the line. This is hosting a home playoff game on the line. This is a money game. Four out of the next five games between the Ticats and Argos. It'll kick off tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at BMO Field in T.O. Our pregame show on CHML will begin at 6. Join us half hour after the game as well for the fifth quarter brought to you by Eastgate Ford. We're in discussion with former all-star offensive lineman with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Peter Dykowski, about this intense rivalry. What was the verbal sparring like on the field when you played against Toronto? Well, early in my career, Toronto had an individual on their defensive line. You might have heard of him. His name was Adriano Belly. Mm-hmm. And that guy, he's a belly. He, the, the peak of his strength and power and size and, and pride was just a presence on the field. Incredible competitor, but such a fun guy to play against. And you didn't often play against guys with passion like that he would be in your ear every single every single play and and just trying to get to you trying to see where he could uh press your buttons we had a lot of great great battles uh big strong guy he's from from toronto went to uh, the university of houston and then actually played briefly with the tie cats and the alouettes and really settled in with the argos so when i came in he was you know mr argonauts and he we were head to head and those were some battles. He was so strong, and I knew I had to play my you know my best games against him. I had Marwan next to me helping out. We had uh, he had this uh, neoprene elbow sleeves. You know, you see some guys wear these elbow sleeves, like a tight uh, fitting sleeve. And so, one game, I was like, I'm going to steal his elbow sleeve, like this little elbow brace. So we get locked up on on one play, and I get a good grip on the top, and I rip it off. And so. 
the next play, you can see he's looking around the ground for it. <laughs> Meanwhile, in our huddle, I've put it on. So now I'm wearing his his elbow <laughs> sleeve, which is like his good luck elbow sleeve. It's, I don't know. It's kind of gross. I put it on. It's, it's all sweaty. But he sees it. And his eyes just lit up that stolen it. So for the rest of the game, he's trying to steal it back. It was great. <laughs> Did he ever get it back? So he had this persona, right? big character, age out of he actually broke character, I think, at halftime to ask me nicely for it back. And I said, no. I hung it above my locker as a trophy. The next time they played us, a few weeks later, he got to the stadium like four hours early, just came right into our locker room and ripped it down and took it back. Wow. That is amazing. Well, we'll hope to take back the Ballard Trophy to win the season series, and it all begins tomorrow night as the Ticats are in Toronto to take on the Argonauts. Peter, thanks for uh, taking a trip down memory lane with us, and enjoy this four games in five-week uh, series. Absolutely, and I'll tell anybody listening, if you have not taken in a game at BMO Field, of course it's not Tim Hortons Field, but it is a wonderful place to watch a football game, especially in the summer. Go we're going to have the best crowd of the year at BMO Field. It's going to be a Ticats crowd. It's going to be a home game. That's our second home. That's our home away from home. Get on the go train. Get on the go bus. Get in the car. Ride your bike. It's a long bike ride, but you can do it. Get to the game. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's a, it is a wonderful stadium. Peter, thanks for the time today. Thank you. That is Peter Dykowski, former all-star offensive lineman with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Dane Evans in the shotgun. Hands off to Don Jackson, and he stood up immediately, battles through the tackle, and it's a touchdown for Don Jackson. What a strong run that was. RJ Broad had the call on the Ticats audio network and on 900 CHML. Ticats, Argos, really don't have to say anything more other than they're playing tomorrow night in what is the first of four games over the next five weeks, this really is the season, perhaps for both teams, at least for the Ticats, who are trailing Toronto in the standings. It is a massive game. Our pregame show will begin at 6. Again, kickoff is at 7. 30 minutes after the final whistle, join us for the fifth quarter, brought to you by Eastgate Ford right here on 900 CHML. Joining us now to break down this game is the longtime play-by-play announcer for the Toronto Argonauts, Mike Hogan. Mike, good morning. How are you? Grrr. By the way, Argo suck. Let's get that out of the way. I can't suck. Come on. We know the drill. <laughs> uh, listen, rivalry week. We got to have some fun with this thing. Hamilton and Toronto are going to play not only tomorrow but four times over the next five weeks. Do you like that as a fan? No, too much of a good thing. Like I, I love the back-to-backs, right? I, I love the fact that you know either the week before Labor Day or the week after Labor Day, you get the rematch, right? Um, and then maybe one at the beginning of the season, and if you're going to play a fourth game at the end of the season as well, one that really mean, could really mean something like the one last year did, I like that setup better. It's just, you know, uh, if somebody's going to call the games, it means less research. <laughs> 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 you can you you can relate, yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, I just like to spread it out a little bit. I just saw that, and I think I think everybody, probably in both organizations, looked at that and went, huh. But it's, it's odd, but it is what it is. So let's let's embrace it. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah, we've never seen it before. I, I love it and I hate it. I love the fact that four yeah. of the next five is a game. Like, this is going to be this is gonna be nuts. But I also hate it because down the stretch, we're not going to see each other. And I think that loses some of its oomph, especially down the stretch. But really, I mean, this is the season, perhaps for both teams. If, if one team goes, you know, three and one against the other, that's a, that's a huge leg up. I, you know, I don't expect either team to sweep. 
right? You know, it's difficult to win four games against anybody. It's difficult to win three games in football or like college basketball against the same team in the same year. So I, I don't expect it to go four and four. I, you know, part of me thinks split would be the, the you know, the, the most reasonable because the two teams are pretty close. And I think whoever, if somebody can win three out of the four, that sets them up pretty well down the stretch, uh, particularly the Argos because they're a game up with a game in hand. So, you know, just looking at, uh, you know, where the, the third, for us, where we just passed the third point of the schedule, that would, if we can win three out of the four against the Ticats, it puts us in really good stead against you guys. If you were able to win three out of four against us, a uh, completely different thing, right? It's like, okay, now we're, we're all even in this thing, depending on what happens in uh, in the game in the middle. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's huge. I don't think we can put enough value on this because I think, you know, with no disrespect to Montreal or Ottawa, I think everybody kind of looked at, at these two teams as being the top two in the East before the season. Um, you know, obviously things can change, and a lot of people did like Ottawa, and they, they shook one off, finally got off the off the zero in the win column last week against us. Um, and Montreal looks like they're in a little bit of a struggle right now. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I, I would think that these, these, these four games between these two teams will go a long way in determining home field for the East. Talking Ticats Argos with Mike Hogan, longtime play-by-play announcer with the Toronto Argonauts as the Cats and the Boatmen get set to drop the gloves tomorrow night at 7. Our pregame show begins at 6 on 900 CHML. Half hour after the game, join us for the fifth quarter on 900 CHML. Toronto did take three of four from Hamilton last year, and you have a memento from that series win. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know you were going with that. I saw your tweet last night. <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have the uh, the Harold Ballard trophy. The, it, it, for those who don't know, when Harold Ballard owned the Ticats, he donated a trophy, of course, in his own name, because yeah. that was Mr. Ballard. Um, <laughs> but it was for the regular season winner of the series between the Argos and the Ticats. And not much is made of this thing. I mean, I, I did a story a, a few years ago. Like Kevin Iben, uh, who played on both sides of it, he played a, a million years for the Argos and then wrapped up his career with a year on the hammer. He didn't even know what the hell it was for. Like, <laughs> I won this thing? How many times did I win this thing? <laughs> like, he had no idea. Uh, so not much is made of it. But, yes, uh, we won it last year for winning three or four, and it sits on my desk here at work. So um, when I come in, I, I, I realize that we won the season series last year because there it is, the Harold Ballard Trophy, sitting on my desk. Somebody's got to take control of it, and I gladly do it. Well, we'll see if the Tiger Cats can wrestle it back from the Argonauts. Uh, by the way, really quickly, Montreal Horn Guy, thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, oh, uh, I almost drove to Montreal last night. Come on. <laughs> and give him the old Homer Simpson? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, don't. I'm going to take that air horn. Yes. Uh, no, it was, uh, no, I, no, put me down as two thumbs down. Yeah, same here. Mike, appreciate the game, or appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Will do. Thanks, pal. Anytime. That's Mike Hogan, longtime play by play announcer with the Toronto Argonauts. You can check him out on TSN Radio in Toronto. Tie Cats, Argos on CHML Radio tomorrow night, starting at 7. Our pregame show kicks off at 6, fifth quarter after the game, brought to you by Eastgate Ford. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Later on this afternoon in Flint, Michigan, it's the opening ceremonies of the Canusa Games. And for the first time since 2019, hundreds of teenage athletes from Hamilton as well as Flint, Michigan and Genesee County in Michigan are going to compete in the Canusa Games in person. Last year, it was virtual because of the pandemic. Two years ago, there was no games at all because, well, the onset of the pandemic. These games have been going on since 19. 
58. It's actually the longest running international games between two countries um, of all the competitions that are going on. So it's nice to see that they're back in person. Earlier this week, we had a chance to speak with Canusa Hamilton President Louise Palchowskis and says that, uh, yeah, they are back to normal, and there are uh, a couple of changes here and there, not many. It's definitely a rebuild year, but we're very excited to be going over and having our athletes participate in most of our sports this year. they got a dozen sports on the slate this year, which is good to see. By the way, CHML, a proud sponsor of the Canusa Games, which is holding its 64th annual competition. You will remember the voice of Bill Stirrup. Many moons ago, talking about Canusa Games, he was actually a Canusa president at one time, a longtime board member and an outstanding volunteer for this uh, incredible organization, going to Flint and hosting events here in the community and doing a great job in doing that. And uh, we're, we're just carrying the torch, as, uh, as Bell held high for many, many years. Now, the event is primarily for athletes aged 18 and under. Uh, and the sister cities of Hamilton and Flint are the only ones involved. It is, as I said, the longest-running amateur sports competition in North America. It's been going on for now 60-plus years. Now, throughout the history of the Canusa Games, there have been more than 26 different sports for athletes to participate in. This year's Games, though, is concentrating on a dozen different sports. There's boys' baseball, uh, boys and girls' basketball, bowling, darts, golf, ice hockey, pickleball, skeet, Boys and girls soccer, swimming, track and field, which has a number of different events, and girls volleyball as well. Now, I had the chance to catch up with three Canusa Hamilton athletes. And we'll begin with 10-year-old soccer player Tula White, who is participating in her first Canusa Games. So this is your first Canusa Games. How excited are you? Really excited. What uh, sport are you going to play and how do you think you're going to do? I think I'm going to do pretty good and soccer is really fun. Is actually going to be uh, a whole load of fun for Tula White. And Tula's older sister is there as well. Alexandria White is also going to be participating in soccer in Flint. How many Canusa games have you participated in? I've participated in two. This is my third Canusa games. Okay, so the past couple of ones have been virtual. Were you involved in those as well? No, I was okay. not. So how exciting is it to get back and playing and competing again? Um, it's feel, it feels really good because, you know, we haven't done this for two years, and it's good to see my friends again and to play with them. So, For people who have not been involved, what is the highlight of the whole experience? Uh, just I think the friends you make um, when you go down is one of the most exciting experiences I've ever had. Alexandria hits the nail on the head there in terms of the friendships that are made because I've talked to many people involved in Canusa, many of them now uh, adults and even into their senior years and they're saying it's the friends that you make along the way whether you're participating in an event uh, coordinating an event coaching a certain sport those connections you make with uh, uh, what would start out as strangers from another country are now in many cases lifelong friends which is kind of cool ariana cannon is another soccer player that is going to represent hamilton at the canusa games tell us about canusa games how long have you participated um, I participated once in 2019, and I'm doing it again this year, and um, yeah, it's really fun. It's a great experience for everyone. So, uh, are we going to beat Flint? I mean, they've, they've beaten us a couple of times. Uh, yeah, we won both soccer games in 2019, so I feel we're, we're going to beat them again this year. What's your favorite part of going down or, or even hosting the Flint athletes up here? 
Well, I've never actually hosted Flint athletes up here. I've only gone down, and it was really fun, like, making new friends and, like, like getting billeted and uh yeah it was just a great time that's what it's all about making friends have a great time have some fun and represent hamilton as you uh would in terms of uh, doing your best on the field and off the field as well great ambassadors that we're sending to flint michigan you can cheer on our local athletes online at canusagames.com there's schedules there's results there's uh, athlete profiles as well and also on social media you can find them on instagram at canusa games on twitter at canusa hamilton and on facebook as well so congratulations making it to flint and now hey bring some medals home as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Time now for the GMH Roundtable, usually with Paul and Shona. We like to keep everyone on their toes. This morning, Dave and Alicia. Good morning. Welcome to the Roundtable. Good morning. morning. It's Friday. Oof. Finally. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> what the, and this has been a short week. You know yeah. what? The holiday Monday. You still got to do like five days of work. I know. In that's four the thing. Days. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> You're playing the catch up. Yeah. You got the other things yeah. you got to do. Let's start with uh, tomorrow night's Ty Cats Argos game and not necessarily focus on what's happening on the field because they we know they're bitter rivals on the field. Right. But mm-hmm. in general, people from Hamilton have a big hate on from people from Toronto. And I'm from Toronto, so I I, I felt it in my early days. Mm-hmm. And now as a Hamiltonian, I'm delivering it back to Torontonians. Yeah. <laughs> why do we love to hate each other? And again, it's more Hamilton hating Toronto than Toronto hating Hamilton. Dave, why do you think we just hate them? It's such a weird thing. I, I came here from Toronto. I was working at our sister station, 640 Toronto, mm-hmm. for a while. And it's interesting. Like, I, w- I worked in Toronto for about 10 years before coming here. And when I was there, I remember in the first few weeks, I said, hey, guys, let's go to Hamilton. We'll have a night in Hamilton. And a bunch of people were like, no, there's no way I'm going to Hamilton. Really? I'm like, why? What's wrong with Hamilton? <laughs> they really oh, do it's... hate Hamilton. Like, no. Yeah. Tor- I know you said it's the uh, it, Toronto people do not like Hamilton. No, they don't. And it's one of those things where it's like, you you look at some spaces in Hamilton, and you th- you think, okay, well, this is a really beautiful area. Mm-hmm. This is a really nice space. There's nice restaurants, nice parks, and then you hear somebody from Toronto say, oh, well, you got to check out Ronces Vales, and it's just like a bunch of like <laughs> stores that are right next to each other, yeah. and it's just it's dingy. There's like I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, but it, it's just one of those things that it's always been there. Yeah, Alicia. Uh- Hamiltonians, as I mentioned, hate Toronto. I think a little bit more than Toronto hates Hamilton. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like it's really pretty, eh? pretty even. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I think it just has to do with like, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of Toronto people feel like Hamilton is just like the old school, gringy, mm. which is funny. Cause yeah, there's Toronto some truth has, to that. There is some truth to that, but Toronto also has that in Absolutely. sections as well. Yeah. Um, I actually am not from either, so I guess it's like... I'm, I'm like <laughs> Consider the... yourself lucky, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, watching it from the outside, yeah. I think it's just for fun. Yeah. And uh, then yeah. when it comes to sports, it's even more fun. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. competition, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I grew up in Toronto, and we really, I mean, at least in my neighborhood, we didn't talk about Hamilton at all. It wasn't really a conversation of us hating them or looking down on the city, but I, I know it goes on. As a matter of 
fact, you know, living in Alberta for a few years, they have a hate on for Toronto. They have a hate on for Ontario. It's just the, the east-west mentality, and uh, certainly to a, a certain extent here in uh, southern Ontario. Today's Do You Know was all about the history behind the Statue of Liberty. It's celebrating an anniversary today back in 1884 was the first cornerstone of the statue. So I want to ask you guys, and Alicia, we'll start with you. Yeah. What iconic monuments have you visited, and what is on your bucket list? This is funny because I haven't seen very many, so uh, <laughs> okay. there wasn't very much to choose from. The CN Tower uh, counts. The CN Tower does count, <laughs> and I have been actually on the CN Tower a few times. Funny enough, only I've only ever gone there to actually bring other people who have come to Canada, which is just hilarious because yeah. they're like, well, I've never been here. Oh, but let's bring you, which is the first time I went on. Uh, what up? Uh, but I've also seen Mount Rushmore, and that was cool. Oh, nice. That was cool. That's so I would cool. say that was definitely uh, the bucket list. I was 17 at the time. Yeah. And what do I want to see? I want, I'm want. i going to go full romantic. I want to go see the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you laugh at me, Dave. I'm not no, saying that's a word. Not, There's one that's in amazing. Paris, Ontario, is there not? Yeah. Little one? No? No. A mini one. Yeah, <laughs> is it really? I don't know. Maybe at a maybe at a, uh, a souvenir store. Not the point. <laughs> Dave, what's on your bucket list, and what have you seen? So so far, what I've seen uh, a couple in Ottawa. I, I saw the um, the Terry Fox statue, which was great. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier was really uh, it was amazing to mm-hmm. see. Um, in Hamilton, I think we've got one of the the, the nicest ones in Dundurn Castle. Yeah. I don't think people take That's advantage true. of that nearly enough. It's amazing. Um, one that I haven't seen that I I don't know why I haven't yet the big nickel I want to see it really in Sudbury what I've never that, been that, yeah, yeah that'd be kind of cool yeah that's a good that'd be make a good selfie as well you remind oh, me yeah. of a few things that I've seen now I feel bad <laughs> there <laughs> you go <laughs> also on your list yeah I think we've all been to the CN Tower uh, Niagara Falls would be another one yes right? that's you know I, I, iconic uh, monument or landmark if you will uh, I've been to a few um, the London Eye in London England uh, of course, saw Big Ben when I was there, Buckingham Palace, all, you mm-hmm. know, cool things. I think the highlight for me, though, would be atop the Empire State Building. So mm-hmm. Roy Green and I, iconic CHML announcer Roy Green and I, were in New York for the one-year anniversary of 9-11. And on the day before our first broadcast, I went up the Empire State Building. And Roy's like, are you nuts? Like, this is the <laughs> one year, like, something could happen. And I'm like, yeah. Roy, I'm going to do it. Like, when in Rome, you know, when in New York City, you got to go up the Empire State <sighs> Building. It was, like, security was immensely tight. But it was... Just amazing to be up there and seeing, you know, Manhattan the whole bit. Uh, Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium would be another one. Uh, But on my bucket list, it would be in a gondola in Venice. I know it's not a monument or a landmark, but it's a place where... You know, you get wrapped up no, in that romance, on, as you were talking about with Paris. I was going to say, that's definitely yep. on the list. Yeah. I would yeah. love to I hear it's see crazy that. expensive, like 200-something euros, which is oh, like $9,000 Canadian. Who cares? So, yeah, who cares? We're going to do it. Yeah, one of when these in days. Rome is the good that, one. There you go. That's it. right. Lastly, uh, I was watching, uh, you know, on TV the other day, scrolling around, and I saw Driving Miss Daisy, mm. iconic movie, one of the best uh, of all time made, uh, Morgan Freeman in there. What famous person would you love to drive around? If you were a celebrity chauffeur, which, by the way, they make like $100,000, $200,000 a year driving celebrities around. How do I sign up? Yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> what celebrity would you want to drive around? <laughs> Can I go first? You yeah, want to go, go first? Okay, go ahead. Um, 
Okay, can, uh, this is actually, well, I'm going to say one and then uh, like as a bonus. Okay. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Dwayne Johnson yeah. and Kevin Hart. I love them <laughs> together. Yes. And that would be amazing. That be would be very distracting. I thought you were going to say Cheech and Chung when you were going like one and a bonus. No. <laughs> it's just funny because the other day I just happened to be like, you know, watching and their relationship is just. It's amazing. It's it's just amazing. And the difference between oh, yeah. both of them just is comical. Yeah. I would love to. Like uh, there's like lots of people I'd love to do, but I just find it would be really cool to do that with them. Yeah, they were they were great in the Jumanji reboot, and I haven't seen DC League of Super Pets, I think it's called. Yeah, but they look really phenomenal. They make a great. They're actually in tons of stuff together. Yeah, good pairing. Dave, what, uh, what is that one celebrity you would want to be a chauffeur for? In my mind, I think it would be Jerry Seinfeld just watching, you know, having oh, coffee with comedians great. in cars. Yes. Uh, but I think that he would be the most boring person to chauffeur around <laughs> on his own. You know? Probably. Yeah. That's it. That's it. All right. <laughs> very, very to the point. I, I got one, and I'll, I'll throw in a bonus as well. Yeah. I mean, they're not really together, but Tom Hanks, I think, would be yeah. my guy, right? Uh, Stand-up guy, megastar, likable, a oh, stable man. schedule. Sure. So you're not picking him up at three in the morning, I would think, you know, <laughs> after a booze fest or a, you know, a drug-induced coma. Uh, the other one would be, would be Ryan Reynolds, if I'm going with a Canadian guy, sure. another funny yes. guy, humble you know, another, again, stable he, schedule. He's he not keeping you definitely drop up. a few jokes there. Yes, for sure. definitely, yeah. If you were looking for excitement or drama, the late Rob Ford would have been a great person <laughs> oh, to show for wow, a round, That would have right? been, yeah. Didn't we say famous? No. <laughs> <laughs> he was on Kimmel. He, he was, Kimmel. yes. <laughs> the butt of many jokes. Yeah, that would have been a wild ride, pardon the pun. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.